This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is brought to you by ArtTactic.com, where you can now find our latest artist market report. This, in this edition, we profiled Jonas Wood, the impressive figurative artist who earlier this year had his first major museum show in the U.S. at the Dallas Museum of Art. His auction market has really been incredible. In 2017, he had $8.8 million of sales at auction. Then last year, it bumped up to $9.7 million. And so far this year, it's already exceeded $14.4 million at auction. I think the most impressive stat that we gathered from this report is his 97% sell-through rate. That's right, 97% of all the artworks that Jonas has had at auction since 2011 have sold. Only five lots have not sold at auction. Really incredible numbers. Make sure to check out that report to get an in-depth look at the artist and his market. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. This week's episode, we're joined by Noah Wunsch, global head of e-commerce at Sotheby's. We wanted to have Noah on to talk to him about the incredible growth in the e-commerce area at the auction house. So when we say e-commerce, we're specifically talking about these online-only sales, so not live auctions, but online-only sales that are occurring on the auction house's website. If you haven't experienced them, they're somewhat similar to eBay, that they're timed auctions and people can bid on the website until the auction ends and there's ultimately a winning bidder. You know, I remember maybe six, seven years ago, we started to see uh, startups pop up in the art space focus on the e-commerce sector, whether it was Padalate or Artsy or First Dibs or Auctionata, um, Artnet Auctions. There's really a ton of them, to be honest. And they were filling a void that the auction houses weren't filling. And that's really comes down to e-commerce uh, sales of art. And I always wondered why the auction houses were a little bit late to the program. Um, they, have, they have incredible brands, much stronger than these kind of startups. And they have such incredible traffic to their websites. Um, but it took them a while to uh, come around to hosting these e-commerce uh, sales on their site. But they've really done so in a major way the last three or four years, if you haven't noticed. And now they have, you know, in triple digits, the number of auctions they have uh, on their sites. So we've seen an incredible amount of growth in this area from the auction houses. And we wanted to have Noah on from Sotheby's to talk about this growth and talk about some of the challenges internally um, to really getting from a place where the auction house had no e-commerce sales to one in which they have so many in just a short number of um, years. And we also chat with him about the different types of art that or different types of objects really in categories that are sold in these e-commerce sales. Um, why are, are some more conducive than others? And Noah also talks about the brand and some of the ways in which they're trying to innovate the brand. Um, when you think about innovation, we have to think about technology, but they're really f- extending and pushing the Sotheby's brand into new areas, um, and they're doing that through their e-commerce channel. So it's a really fascinating conversation that we have with Noah, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for speaking with us. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. Glad to be here. Of course. So before we get into some of these really interesting areas of Sotheby's that you're working on, tell us first, 
how long have you been at Sotheby's and what's your journey been like within the company? Absolutely. So I've been at Sotheby's for coming up on three years now. Uh, February is going to be my third year anniversary. Um, I started at the company uh, running global digital and marketing strategy, uh, which was a lot of fun and, and definitely uh, got to learn about all aspects of the business very quickly. Um, I was fortunate that in my first year, I, I identified an AI firm called Thread Genius, um, and the company was quickly acquired by Sotheby's. Um, I worked hands-on with that team in my second year, um, and a lot of exciting things going on there. Uh, and here in my third year, I, I've taken the, the view of global e-commerce, which has been fascinating. So I oversee all online-only sales at Sotheby's, um, and I'm very focused on new category sales as well. Yeah, one interesting area aspect of Sotheby's is its brand. Uh, it's such a powerful brand. It's an old brand, um, one that people can trust. You know, when I'm often talking to people who maybe are new to the art market or thinking about selling things at auctions, you know, I talk about the success of Sotheby's and the your rival Christie's in large part due to uh, the brand and um, what that means and, you know, all the things that uh, it stands for. When we were chatting um, on a previous call before this, this podcast, one thing that you talked about that was really important to you is brand innovation. So you know, that seems kind of like a buzzword, but tell us what is brand innovation? You know, how exactly do you define it? And how is that different than, you know, I think when people think about innovation, I think about, uh, you know, technological innovation. So tell us about a little bit about brand innovation and, um, you know, how you can, uh, how you're bringing that to Sotheby's, such a strong brand already. Absolutely. Well, you're, you're 100% correct. Sotheby's brand is amazing. Uh, our brand stands for exceptionalism, a focus on authenticity, um, and certainly luxury. Um, and we have 275 years of experience to back that up. Um, when I think about brand innovation, it's really how we can accelerate and stay in pace with the way that culture is moving forward. Um, so to your point on the idea of tech innovation, a lot of people boil that down to Moore's Law as an example. And Moore's Law is the mentality that we uh, every two years or so, um, have a leap in tech. Um, this actually comes down to microprocessing chips, that they're able to get smaller and faster, and this gives us the ability um, to find new ways to innovate. Um, considering how uh, we've evolved in the information age, and I think it, it was really interestingly put by Mark Zuckerberg recently, where he said that social media is really now the fifth estate. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, but I thought it was really fascinating that he said that. With the information age, the amount of information that is able to be shared across all of these platforms on a daily, hourly, second basis um, is, is moving culture forward at such an accelerated pace. Um, and it's important, not just for Sotheby's, of course, but for all brands to keep in touch with what's going on in culture, what the conversations are um, across all generations, because especially for someone like Sotheby's who represents so many different demographics, it's important for us to stay relevant to up and coming collectors, um, more prominent collectors, traditional collectors, um, and finding various access points for all of those collectors in the world while still staying completely true to what our brand is, which going back to the beginning uh, is exceptionalism and authenticity. Um, so these are the things that I think about a lot, um, how we can kind of continue to be the leader in our space, but also open up new categories um, in finding access points for clients in those categories with our brand. So yeah, I mean, some of those 
new categories that you're talking about is that like you know i've noticed from a distance watching sotheby's you you ha- i know you had a sale with shoes um maybe uh you you've, you've ventured off into a lot of different areas is that what you're referencing yeah i think there are, there are a number of different ways of doing it um we we certainly have played with some new categories this year whether that is the sneaker sale we did over the summer in partnership with Stadium Goods, where we actually ended up uh, breaking the world record for most expensive pair of sneakers ever sold. Uh, we sold a pair of Nike moon shoes uh, that were handmade by Bill Bowerman for about $430,000. Uh, and that was just an amazing experience across the board. Um, but when we think about maybe brand innovation in some of our traditional categories as well, some of our legacy categories, we had an amazing sale with IWC Schaffhausen in partnership with the brand this year auctioned off uh, their watch, um, which Bradley Cooper (laughs) wore to the Oscars this year. Um, And the result was exceptional. Um, It was a multiplier of a low estimate, um, and it got the watch community talking in a really big way. Um, And and it it hit a number of different strategic KPIs for us. It was a successful sale from the result of the actual final hammer. Uh, We had a number of new clients in that sale, uh, and we had a great deal of brand amplification from it. Uh, the press world was talking about it a great deal. Um, so that's a wonderful example of kind of brand innovation, both in new categories and in categories where we already have, uh, you know, uh, definitely historic presence. Yeah, and interestingly, I recall when e-commerce really kind of started up in the art world, we saw a lot of um, startup companies outside of the major auction houses that focused on that. Then it seems in the past few years, the major auction houses like Sotheby's, that's become a focus of theirs. Um, how, how much growth has, growth has Sotheby's had on the e-commerce platform in the past few years? I think people sometimes don't even realize it's really the number of sales and how much business you're doing there. And you know, to touch on what we were discussing earlier, how important are th- were things like the brand of Sotheby's that really enables you to have this kind of growth? Absolutely. I, I think that's a great point. At this point, e-commerce and our online-only sales are really business as usual for Sotheby's. We've seen the exponential growth uh, in the last few years in the number of sales we're doing online and the amount of money we're getting from those sales too. Um, So in 2017, we did around 35 online only sales. Um, That was really the the first year where we were integrating it heavily into the business. Last year in 2018, we did 99 online only sales. That's that's a massive jump. Uh, This year, uh, I think we're gonna be doing considerably more than that. Um, and again, when we talk to stakeholders internally, there's an understanding of, of the values of online only and why e-commerce is important to our business. Um, so again, going back to the first point, it really is part of our everyday at this point. It's part of the norm. And I think our clients uh, have, have found that it's, it's a great experience too. You know, when you look at retail startups, I'm not even talking about the art world, but just in general, so many retail startups seem to start with e-commerce platforms. On the other hand, Sotheby's, this traditional auction house that's existed for hundreds of years, what was it like internally to see a company kind of transform or at least incorporate such a large e-commerce platform? And were there any challenges internally to that? That's a really great point. Um, and I think that it's actually a fascinating point to make the distinction because a lot of the e-commerce platforms in luxury, in retail, are working higher and higher up the funnel, meaning their average order value is usually somewhere uh, in the $400 to maybe $1,500 range. Um, our average order value for online-only sales is considerably higher than that. Than that. Um, we really are kind of the number one luxury e-commerce player in the world. 
um, if we are looking at average order value. Um, so what you see with a lot of the companies in uh, luxury e-tail, we'll say, um, is that they're working their way up price point wise. What we had to do was work almost backwards. I'm not saying that we had down market pieces by any means in online only because we actually have exceptional, very high value pieces in online only. Um, but I think that it was it was almost a mechanization of working backwards of the mentality that we are the place that does sell a Basquiat for $110 million rather than putting a painting on an e-com site that might be worth tens of thousands of dollars in waiting a couple of months before the buyer is found. We work in uh, very clear pillars of time. Um, so I think that, you know, there was a fear in the beginning of, will we get the response? Will people feel comfortable spending tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars online? Um, and very quickly, we found that absolutely, our clients trust our brand. They recognize that if we are selling it and we're putting our stamp on it, that the quality is just as good as anything we would put in a live auction as well. Um, but it is interesting to think. I mean, I, it's the first time I've really put my finger on it that way. So I appreciate you asking the question. But but so many luxury e-com players are really working to get up to that funnel where they can sell something for a million dollars online. Uh, we really started from square one of being able to do that. Um, but we definitely needed the proof of concept for it, which we definitely have now. Yeah, it's really incredible how much things have changed just in the last few years. I mean, I remember just reading even it seems like a few years ago, you know, oh, you know, can art really be transacted in this kind of e-commerce uh, setting? You know, our client, I think people, you know, stereotypically maybe had this vision of a, you know, an art collector as this older person who's not technologically savvy enough. And I think that just that now that perspective seems so antiquated, but it was only just a few years ago. A lot of people had that. It's it's just really fascinating how fast things can change. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I remember thinking, years ago, I mean, uh, probably 10 years ago, I, I would never ever buy clothing online. <laughs> Why would I buy clothing online right. when I can go to a store and I can try it on and I can make sure it, it fits and looks good. And now, of course, it's the predominant way that I personally shop, of course. Um, and I think that most consumers do too. I think more and more we see that as comfort grows and price points increase online, um, there is a higher comfort level. And you have companies like Tesla that are choosing e-commerce as their main funnel for conversion with their clients. And they're not selling, you know, $500 uh, shoes. They're, they're selling tens of thousand dollars worth of cars. Yeah. You know, you know, one thing I always thought about when people question the notion of art and e-commerce was that, you know, take out the e-commerce component from the equation. A lot of people, you know, when you think about auction houses like Sotheby's, for example, your evening sales even, or day sales in London, people who are not based in London who don't, you know, plenty of people don't travel to London to see the preview and they're bidding on the telephone without seeing any, seeing the work in person. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're doing it through the JPEG and really I think a lot of it comes down to the brand and the trust they have in the auction house, right? And they know, you know, if they're, if they got this painting and there was something wrong, you know, there, it would be rectified. Um, you know, the condition report is accurate as the auction house, uh, you know, describes it just due to, you know, the hundreds of years of that, uh, brand strength. So I think really doing that, bidding on the phone and e-commerce, I mean, it's, it requires the same level of trust. So from my, Absolutely. you know, in my perspective, it I always thought it could point. work. To, to your point, even more so, I mean, online bidding is not only, uh, applicable to online-only sales. We have online bidding, of course, in our evening sales as well, um, especially considering we have this beautiful internal auction engine we've built. I mean, the UI and UX on Sotheby's has drastically changed over the last year, and we've built a world-class system. 
um, online bidding is becoming the predominant channel for bidding uh, in live sales as well. Um, now, does that mean live sales are going to go away? Absolutely not. I mean, that is, that is again, a historic part of our business. Um, it is inherent to what Sotheby's is. Um, but it's, it's fascinating to see the growth we've seen in online bidding in the last three years. So Sotheby's has many different categories uh, that you service. Are there certain categories that are more, I don't know if successful is the right word, but maybe um, more attuned to the e-commerce platform than some others? Well, I think with a lot of the new category sales, um, a great example is uh, the first sale that I did back in January was the sale of every single Supreme skateboard ever manufactured. Uh, Supreme, of course, is the famous uh, skatewear, um, streetwear, pardon me, and, and skate shop uh, based in New York City. Um, and they had an amazing long history and, and really were doing artist collaborations uh, way ahead of their time, so to speak. Um, so we auctioned off uh, every skateboard they produced, 248 skateboards as a single lot. And it definitely was a question, should this be a live sale or should this be an online sale? And we recognize that the people who are buying the secondary market of Supreme, which is a huge market, by the way, um, are digitally native. These are people who are used to bidding and buying online. Um, and they want the convenience of doing it on their own time and on their own devices. Uh, and those boards ended up selling for $800,000. Yeah, I remember that sale. That was pretty, uh, like you said, that that uh, target audience is very digitally savvy. Um, Absolutely. So. It was a lot of fun, that sale. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess what would you say to a consigner or you know someone who thinks maybe that selling their art uh, in a live auction is a better route than selling it in an e-commerce platform, you know, an, an online-only sale? Um kind of a blanket statement, would you say they're right? Or um, what, what would your thoughts be to, to, to a feeling like that, that maybe some people, um, collectors, sellers might possess still? Well, uh, more than anything, we are a client serving business. Our focus is to do right by the client. We have a fiduciary responsibility to do that. So our intent as a company is to put these pieces uh, where we do believe they will perform best. Um, so we do hope that our, our clients will trust us when we say that, you know, this is really suited for online. Um, a number of factors can go into that. Uh, but again, strategically, well, what always stands out to me is, and this is the example I give, because I, I, I'm a big fan of furniture. I collect design and furniture. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, there's an auction going on uh, in another country, and it's on a time zone that is not applicable to New York City. Uh, and I might not want to wake up. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, set my bid at that time. And uh, I want to do it on my own time. And I think that online bidding, especially with the new clients we've acquired through the channel, I think that's a that's a prime example that working with a global audience uh, online only is a really strong channel for us. We are finding that it is the biggest channel to getting new clients for Sotheby's. Um, and I think, again, it, it speaks to being able to do things on your own time. Now, again, if I am a client of Sotheby's and I want to pre-register a max bid with one of our agents, you can certainly do that. Um, but I think a younger audience more and more is getting used to the idea of being able to handle these things themselves on their mobile devices specifically. The amount of mobile bidding we've seen in the last year since uh, releasing a mobile web optimized product has been amazing to witness. Um, so I think, again, the convenience of the digital platform, uh, the notifications you get immediately if you have been outbid and the gamification there of making sure that, you know, you're immediately engaged again, 
uh, is a really big selling factor. Um, but again, it, it does come down to strategy and there are different strategies for every single category we represent. Um, so, uh, you know, our specialists play the biggest role there. Uh, and thank God for them. Noah, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. The e-commerce sector in the art world at Sotheby's is really fascinating. There's so much going on there, and it's really incredible the amount of growth uh, that you've had just in the last few years in that area. Um, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your perspective on things with us. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. This has been a pleasure. Perfect. Thanks again.